Here's Moran turning on the burners. Oh my! Wow! What a ridiculous finish from John ja Moran! Drive down the lane to the cup, make it in! Oh, Jerry Jackson, you are special tonight! My man, Ja Morant, he has been incredible. His energy, his enthusiasm, his passion, they can already put his name on the Rookie of the Year trophy. Last night it was the NBA suspending its season after Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for the coronavirus. This hiatus will be at least 30 days. The NBA Board of Governors has approved a 22-team restart in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. Welcome into the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, here in Atlanta, and we are cranking it up, headed for the NBA restart in Orlando, July 30th. 22 teams taking the floors, three separate uh, gyms where they're going to get the action cranked back up. And, and our main man, Lang Whitaker, is here today to talk Memphis Grizzlies. Yo. Former co-host of the Hangtime Podcast here. Uh, my favorite wannabe celebrity chef. Mm. And uh, my main man is always, man. What's going on, Lang? How are you, sir? I'm well. Uh, I'm a little shaggy looking over here, but I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been admiring the, uh, the the quarantine look, man. It's, it is. Uh, listen, we've we've been in some tight situations before over the years. Um, I've seen you in some crazy states, but this look now, man, you got to make sure you capture this for eternity. Now you got to well, the uh, portrait. Yeah. Well, the cooking with Lane videos, I, I can't shoot them out of order. Cause you can tell each week like, the, the hair gets longer. The beard gets a little wilder and uh, I'm waiting for the beard to like start going down. It's still going out right now. And I don't, at some point gravity has got to get involved in this thing, I think, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you, you have definitely cornered the market on, uh, on the true, Unique look, man. It's awesome, um, man. But the, the Grizzlies. Uh, this is the one team I'm looking at of all 22, Lang, and I'm saying to myself, could there could there have been a better way, in your opinion, to structure this so the Grizzlies didn't have to fight off the world trying to steal that eight spot from them? Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking at the schedule in in those first three games, like. It, Somebody in the schedule maker's office has a sense of humor. I mean, Portland, San Antonio, New Orleans out the gate when they get to Orlando. What what does it look like to you in terms of just how difficult a road it's going to be for them to hold on to that spot? Well, I, I did retweet the other day. Somebody posted the strength of schedule for all those teams, and the, the Grizzlies are toward the top half of the I mean, because it ends with Raptors, Celtics, Bucks is the last <laughs> three games. So I don't know. I mean, I guess the hope is that maybe those three teams are kind of resting guys by that point or, you know, but I, I don't know if they will be. I think, you know, teams are going to be trying to get into shape and they're not going to use those last couple of games to rest guys. If anything, they're going to play people their same, you know, ramp up toward the playoffs. So the Grizzlies, I think, have a unique sort of advantage in this whole thing in that playing these games in a um, – in these arenas in Disney World that are basically neutral sites is going to work in our favor, I think, because we don't have to deal with crowds yelling against us. We don't have to deal with referees getting swayed by the crowds or, or uh, being on the road and having guys, uh, the other teams, having confidence from being at home and all that stuff. Like It's, it's going to be a, a flat surface to start off here. And this is a team, remember, like most of the guys on this Grizzlies team played in Summer League last year, and that's kind of what this feels like to me. This Grizzlies team won Summer League last year in Vegas. <laughs> like they, right. they ran the table out there. So I think these guys, they're so young, they, they kind of don't know enough to get nervous about all this stuff, and, and they're 
pretty fired up and ready to go, I think. That's a good point. And, and that youth, I mean, you know, you go down here and and everybody's had the, this time off. So yeah. whether you're a young team, old team, everybody's showing up theoretically with rested legs and, and kind of the energy you'll need to grind through whatever takes place down there. But do you do you look at the the fact that this is the youngest team out there and and maybe, like you said, this is something that benefits Taylor Jenkins and, and his crew down there as opposed to something that could be a hindrance. Yeah, I think 100% it benefits them. And, and I mean, not just having rested legs, uh, you know, when this whole thing stopped, don't forget, like, Jaron Jackson was hurt at the time, as was Brandon Clark, as was Grayson Allen. So, like, yeah. four rotation players were hurt when this thing happened. And at the time, it, it was kind of just hoping that the Grizzlies were going to be able to hang around until they got some of those guys back for the stretch run and, and hope they would still kind of be in that playoff hunt or at least hang on to that eight spot long enough to, to get one of those guys back. You know, I think Grayson's kind of the question mark there. And Taylor said the other day that uh, they're, you know, he's going to go with them to Florida and they'll kind of see how he, how he fits in there. But to have those other guys back, to have, you know, your second leading scorer, Jaron Jackson, back and – your probably best player off the bench, Brandon Clark, back. That's a pretty good group <laughs> to have coming back to bolster what was already running pretty well, you know, when they got there. As, as for youth, you know, the youngest – I mean, the oldest guys on this team are um, Gorgie Jang is 30, and then they just re-signed Tolliver, so, and he's 33, 34, I think. So those are the two guys. Those are the two oldest guys. Everyone else is like 20, 22, 23, 24. Like, it's a really young group, and, and I just think – they're not going to really be intimidated because they don't know any better. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I almost feel like people have forgotten about Jaron Jackson. Uh, mm-hmm. He kind of was out of sight, out of mind. And then Ja Morant shows up and, you know, is putting on highlight shows every night. But, how, like, how good do you think Jaron Jackson is at this stage of his career? I mean, he started out with a bang as a rookie um, and then, you know, had an injury issue. Again, another issue this year. I just feel like people aren't locked in on how talented yeah. this dude is. I think a lot of people kind of forgot last year because he was he was really good that first half of the season. Then he missed like the last third with that thigh injury. And then, like you said, this year, Ja kind of sold out of the headlines. But Jaron's gotten a lot better, I would say, the last two, three months, particularly defensively. Like he, he's he's managed to stay out of foul trouble. And that's been like his bugaboo the whole time he's been in the NBA, like almost every game he'd pick up two fouls quickly and have to go to the bench. And it would, that's been the main thing limiting his his effectiveness is just being in foul trouble. And seems like the last month or two, he's really kind of got the grasp of how to, A, stay out of foul trouble, and then B, how to, how to be a force defensively. He's blocking shots and just, you know, uh, playing a little freer, I think, knowing that he has Valanciunas behind him um, and being willing to gamble a little bit more. And then offensively, like the Grizzlies use, especially with Taylor Jenkins here, like they've been using Jaron Jackson like a 6'11 Ray Allen. Like they're running him off screens. <laughs> he's coming off picks on the corner and shooting threes. And, you know, he's the best three-point shooter on the team. Uh, you know, height doesn't matter there in this NBA that we're looking at now. Like, so I, I think his, his you know, he's still younger than Ja, too. Remember that? So That's, that's insane, yeah. Yeah, so like his his ceiling is, what Michael Jordan say, the roof is the ceiling or whatever? Like. <laughs> <laughs> that applies to Jaron Jackson. I watched uh, probably more video than I should of of Ja Morant playing like pickup ball somewhere, mm-hmm. um, kind of getting his workout in. I, I saw where he said he's gained twelve pounds. Um, Hashtag I, muscle watch. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I, I watched the video and I was like, I don't know where he put it. 
because he still looks yeah super slim to me. But I, I, I'm fascinated by the idea that John Morant could could have this, and this is a weird thing for everybody. Obviously, the the shutdown and the time you have to kind of reflect on on whatever you did in the lead up and then come back now with these new tricks and maybe with some, some wisdom that you didn't have going into the season. How, how good do you think Ja is coming out of what he did in what we both think is a rookie of the year season, obviously, but just being able to go back in the lab for a few months and kind of zero in on what he needs to improve or what he can do better or how he can attack different. I, you know, I think the weight that he added, the muscle he added um, is going to help him, just kind of withstand going through the the aches and pains of the season. You know, he he got he, he never complained about it, but it, he, you saw him take a lot of hits um, throughout the season and, and get beat up a lot and take a lot of uh, you know he's not afraid to drive to the rim and and get knocked down, and he always gets up again. But I, I think that added weights. It's it, more than anything. It's just going to help his endurance and help him. Um, be able to, to get through, especially now that they're playing, you know, all these games kind of in quick su- succession down there. On the court, uh, I, I don't know how it changes his game. Maybe it makes him a little less afraid to try and finish over people, which is a little scary because he's not afraid to try and finish <laughs> over anybody. Um, you know, there, I think we all kind of saw that early on. There, there was a game against Houston. It's like the second week of the season, and, and Josh tried to dunk on like four guys at the same time. And they – dumped him pretty quickly and <laughs> got the foul but we were all like wow he really tried that like he's just fearless out there um and i to me that that's the thing with Ja is like he's not afraid to try anything um yeah. you know you always hear coaches say don't jump up in the air when you make a pass um because you're going to get caught in the air he does it like almost every pass yeah. he does a lot of things you're not supposed to do and he, he manages to pull them off um from the all those dribble moves to the shot attempts he takes everything else so the i i just think with Ja, it's um, we're just scratching the surface of what he's going to be able to do. And once he like, he, he was getting better on that three point shot and teams were giving it to him and he was knocking them down. Um, I, I would think that might be where we could see an improvement over this, this two month break is yeah. if he's coming down and hitting a little bit, I mean, he was shooting 37% on threes. I mean, if he could set up to 40, 45, something like that, then like, just watch out. Cause then you got to guard him out there and that's just going to open everything up. I know that we're going to have all these players in in the same space, which is obviously an unprecedented way to not just restart the season but conduct the playoffs. Um, so much has gone into the, the the social justice issues that the players will be addressing. I know Ja was very um, vocal, you know, didn't didn't mince his words in terms of of what he had to say about some of these issues. It kind of got twisted into a little bit of a you know, social media mess. How? What do? You, what are your expectations for the Grizzlies as a group in terms of how they'll make those statements, and and Ja, how he'll do it as the face of the group? Yeah, I, I like we, like we said, like Ja's fearless. Like I don't think he's afraid to to speak his mind. And you know, he signed on that letter to to uh, the mayor in Kentucky, trying to get rid of the the statue yeah. um, up there where Murray State is. So. Um, you know, he's not afraid to speak his mind. I think Jaron's been really outspoken about this stuff also, um, you know, coming from, you know, his background with his dad being an NBA player. And um, I think also like, you know, Anthony Tolliver is a guy who's one of the player association vice chairs or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and is a guy who's well-respected around the league and has a voice in all these matters. So I'm, 
uh, there's a lot of really thoughtful guys on this team. And I, I would think, you know, those are the guys who they aren't afraid to speak in a city like Memphis, who, which has yeah. a history of social justice. Like, um, you know, people, people are appreciative of them speaking their mind and speaking out. And uh, it's, it's, it's really cool to see like these two young guys though, like these two 20 year old guys kind of like, you know, take control of this thing and, uh, and not be afraid to speak their mind. I, I think the, the restart for everybody is is going to be a an interesting look at how these teams kind of come together quickly with this training camp and and, and the, the eight seeding games that everybody has to play obviously finishing the regular season to see who fits into that playoff picture um we're going to come back after the break here and talk keys to the magic kingdom for the grizzlies but like the the one last thing i wanted to get to before we break um are, are there any concerns you have for this team in terms of just the mechanics of everybody going to this locale, getting back up to speed, um, you know, all the things that go into the traveling party and just figuring out logistics. Like, uh, is there anything about it that concerns you for the Grizzlies? Uh, the short answer is no. <laughs> it's a it's a bunch of young guys. I mean, I think for them, this is going to be like, you know, going to those AAU tournaments that they would go to. <laughs> and for these guys, that was two years ago. You know, like right. it wasn't that long ago. So I, I think for, for the Grizzlies, like this is a group that's probably pretty well suited to something like this. Um, you know, I don't want to be too optimistic about it, but I, I feel like, you know, they don't have – you know, big families and lots of kids to leave behind, like some of these other guys do, the yeah. older players who have been around for a while. Like these are younger guys, and they're probably, you know, ready to get out there and, and go to work. That's a great point. Coming back after the break, talking the Memphis Grizzlies on the Hangtime Podcast here with Lang Whitaker. So I like old times. It's like a, a Hangtime Podcast many moons ago when we spent all the time arguing and yelling. <laughs> we'll be right back from Lang Whitaker. Back here on the Hangtime Podcast, talking Memphis Grizzlies with Lang Whitaker. Uh, Lang, everybody knows Disney is the happiest place on earth. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about this Grizzlies team and what the keys would be for them in Orlando. And this and and we're gonna go out on a limb here and talk not just what we know to be the case in some instances, but also what could be potentially if they if they get down there and hold on to the spot and, and get into the postseason. First up, the Mr. Incredible for the Grizzlies. Who's going to be the X Factor and, and game changer for the Grizzlies in Orlando? The one guy we haven't talked about yet, and we've talked about pretty much everybody, but we haven't mentioned Dylan Brooks. Mm. Um, and Dylan was a guy who, you know, a year ago missed almost the whole season with a, a toe injury. And he came back this year. Uh, a different player, um, a much better player, a better scorer, a uh, better offensive player. And he was already like a tenacious defender and probably the best wing defender on the team. But but he came back this year and was really that third option they needed on a lot of the nights um, and got a contract extension out of it um, right before everything shut down. So I wonder, you know, having that year off last year and then coming back a much better player this year, I'm curious to see what Dylan comes back as. Um, when we get back off this break, having another couple of months to get in the lab um, and, and develop his game, you know, it, it play, paid huge dividends coming into this season. And now he's had this other break and I'm curious to see what Dylan's able to bring. You know, it, we know what John and Jaron are going to do and they're going to mm-hmm. bring you, 
18 points a game, that kind of thing. If Dylan can come in and average 15 a game, um, I think that's really what they, they're going to need out of him. And, and um, he could be that X factor. I, I like his uh, spicy take on Andre Godala before uh, the deal with yeah. him, too. I was like, I, I like the attitude that some of those young players in Memphis have about kind of, you know, circling the wagons, like either with us or against us. I appreciate that about Dylan Brooks. Let it go. What What regular season tendency do the Grizzlies need to leave in Memphis in order to make the playoffs in Orlando? The one thing that the first thing that popped to mind is, you know, during the games, is I get to sit pretty close to the bench. And and the one thing, you know, these guys, when they when they when a play goes against them or a call goes against them or, um, you know, they're millennials and they start to complain. <laughs> and the one thing you would hear Taylor say a lot of times, Taylor Jenkins, who start yelling, he'll just yell, keep playing, keep playing. And just remind the guys, like, don't get bogged down in that stuff. You know, if something doesn't go your way, you got to just keep going. You got to keep going. I use it all the time now with the 2K guys when we're playing a game, when Grizz Gaming has a game and something doesn't go our way. And I'm like, guys, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. Yeah. And I, it's just such a kind of simple thing, but it's a really smart thing. And, and you, you hear Taylor say that a lot to these guys. And I think, you know, the, these guys, you know, it's going to be fun to get back on the court and start the season again, but not everything's going to go your way. And I think, you know, as long as they keep playing and, and trust the system, uh, they're going to be fine. Yeah. The, the Beauty and the Beast matchups for the Grizzlies, what's the Beauty matchup for them in terms of the one that they probably feel most confident that they have a chance to be successful in? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, are you talking about the playoff teams or is any team? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if they get into that spot, um, you know, and, they, and in a position to, to, you know, battle in the playoffs. They've done pretty well against Utah this year. Um, you know, we, we beat – that was the first win of the season, and I might I may be wrong on that. I think about first win. But that was one of the first wins. It was when Mike Conley returned to town, and it was on TV, and that was Josh's big show-out game. But uh, I think Utah's a team that doesn't really scare the Grizzlies. And, and the thing about this team is they've had games where they look great against all these teams. They, they beat the Lakers. They, they blew out the Clippers in L.A. Um, you know, they're, it, it just it's just the consistency and trying to find that consistency. But yeah. – I don't know. I guess if I had to pick one, I would go with Utah. What would, what would be the beast matchup? What would be the one that you go, ah, I don't know if this is good for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just scared in general of the Lakers um, really? with LeBron. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I don't care. I don't care if I'm the Grizzlies or I'm the Clippers. I don't want to play the Lakers with LeBron and AD. We had a game <laughs> earlier this year in L.A. where uh, – Anthony Davis had like what was it, twenty eight, thirty points in a quarter You're against right, us, right. like, and it was almost all free throws. So <laughs> th- that's that's the one to me. Like you know, you, you got to go through the best to be the best, and I think the Lakers are still the best. Yeah. Um, if you get the genie in a bottle, three wishes for the Grizzlies heading to Orlando, what would they be? I think number one is uh, we haven't really talked about it, but rebounding um, that was something that early this season was kind of a focus, and and Jonas. We haven't talked about him either. It turned out, no, yeah. yeah. My favorite thing with him was he's been, you know, Memphis is known for barbecue, and he's been serving up barbecue chicken all season. <laughs> he's just been killing people in the post night after night. Um, he, he's averaging a double double. Doesn't get a lot of talk, but you know he does his job and he's awesome. And if they can just get a little help, and with Jaron kind of being on the perimeter so much, it's hard for him to pitch in on the on the rebounding. But if they can just get uh, win the win the paint, I think is is one big thing. Um, transition is a, is another one. Get out and run. Like I think this team is best when they're running up and down the court. And I think the other thing is, is just have fun. You know, like the, this is this is going to be fun for these guys to get back together and play. And and they kind of have that. You know, the same Memphis is Memphis versus everybody. And I think that that's the way this thing's kind of shaking it out right now. Like they feel like everyone is uh, 
you know, trying to make sure other teams get into the playoffs instead of us and, and the teams are going and like people are rooting against us. So this is Memphis versus everybody. Let's go out there and have fun and, and show people what we can do. Yeah. The, we've talked about how young this team is. Um, so if anybody should have a good time in the bubble, you figured it's a young group. Yeah. Who's, who's most likely to bring golf clubs though of this bunch to, to Orlando? I mean, these, and these guys and these young guys uh, got a little Tiger Woods in. I don't think so. Honestly, I'm trying to think uh, which ones play golf. And I, I mean, I play golf and I haven't talked about golf with any of these guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I don't think any of them play. I mean, if anything, I, some of them will probably bring their Xbox controller or PlayStation controllers and, and play that. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think we got any golfers out there. Any anybody a ping pong mm. uh, master, anybody most likely to. To show up to the players' lounge and win a ping pong tournament. Well, we're not allowed to. Play, they're not allowed to play doubles, right? So yeah, I think it's got to be one. Yeah, it's singles. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would guess that Jaron has the reach advantage right. over most everybody else. Um, but yeah, I would say you never count out Ja because that, that guy's that dude's a competitor. <laughs> I don't, that's the kind of thing like you know these guys are going to be locked down for what three months right. down there and like even if you're not a good ping pong player now you might be by the end of this <laughs> thing but i did that i did a dream team story for gq a couple of years ago and, mm-hmm. and you know they were sequestered in that hotel in barcelona it turned out the best ping pong player on the dream team was christian leitner yeah that's and, about the only and, thing he was the best at on that dream <laughs> all those all those dudes i talked to they were like yeah you know leitner was just killing everybody in ping pong and he just killed michael jordan like he just wanted to beat leitner in ping pong and he couldn't beat him and he was just challenging over and over and over <laughs> <laughs> and leitner just stayed up just killing everybody in ping pong well but, you, you gotta win something if you're christian leitner on the dream team yeah, man. that would be he it found his job <laughs> um who's most likely to keep the fashion game tight in the bubble. I, 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 I saw Jaron. I sat down to interview Jaron and, and yeah. Devontae Graham in, in Chicago during All-Star Weekend. He's a bit of a fashion horse. He is. Yeah, Jaron is. Um, Jaws like a sweatsuit guy. He wears right. sweatsuits every single game. Right. Um, with matching sneakers. Jaron's probably the, the biggest one. Brandon Clark uh, cares a little bit. Um, Kyle Anderson makes a little effort. Uh, Jonas actually probably it's right behind Jaron in terms of uh, trying to, to dress the game. But I wonder if, you know, like since they're in the bubble down there and, you know, they're just going to be on the bus, like there's no red carpet, right? Like, I mean, there's, I guess not. I don't know. I don't know. I, think I would assume maybe they're just going to show up in sweatsuits and play the games because I, <laughs> I don't think they take a shower. I think they, the game ends and they ride the bus back to, to the hotel to take a shower. So I don't, I don't know if there's even going to be a um, – hashtag NBA style down there. That's a that's a great point. I, I do I guess we have to see how they handle it. Maybe it is sweatsuits. Maybe it's everybody uniformed up it's more summer yeah. league look. We'll, we'll, Maybe they could do a uh, they could do like a virtual thing like before the game <laughs> yeah, they, just... they, or they post their greatest hits or something. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Um last and certainly not least, if there's a fairy tale ending for the Grizzlies and they have a chance to not only get in the playoffs, but then go on a crazy run, ignite the world, and get out of the West. How does that happen? How does how do the, the Grizzlies craft a fairy tale ending in Orlando? I think they gotta play that up and down style. You know, that that's when they're at their best is when Ja has the opportunity to, to kind of be the straw that stirs the drink. You know, he, he can he can get up and down the court, do all his stuff, um, hit these other guys to to get them successful. I mean, get them in spots to be successful and, and hit them with the ball. But 
Um, it, it starts with Ja and, and it ends with Ja. And, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's unfair for us to expect a 20 year old to, to carry us to the championship right now, but, yeah. um, but uh, he sure is fun to watch. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if, I mean, and if they make noise, you're right. It, it probably yeah. has to be Ja playing at a, at a superstar level. I mean, that's, yeah. Right. Yeah. No doubt about that. Lang Whitaker from Grizz Gaming, cooking with Lang, <laughs> my, my favorite. As I mentioned, so I'm gonna give you go ahead and give you celebrity chef status. Why not? Everybody, everybody okay. else thinks they're celebrity chef. You, I mean, no no reason you can't join those ranks. Um, appreciate you as always, man. Um, certainly hoping that we get a chance to talk Grizz uh, in Orlando. Appreciate it, Seku, and um, I'll talk to you soon. I guess. No doubt, brother. Uh, stay safe. I know. I know we're not out of the woods on this pandemic, so you know, make sure yep. you and the fam stay safe, man. Appreciate you as always. You too. Appreciate you.